Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. I want to tell you a story about something that happened to me several weeks ago, and some of you maybe have experienced this thing the way that I have. Many of you haven't because you are genuinely good people, and I maybe can't hold on to that claim, but I, I got a huge speeding ticket uh, several weeks ago coming home from vacation in Florida. We're driving through Georgia, and I mean... I'm just be honest. I was speeding. Okay, I, I don't. I don't want to tell you how. I don't want to tell you how much I was speeding. Uh, but I will tell you that the officer, when he stopped me, he said, uh, "Just so you know, that I'm gonna write down that you're going slower than you were because at the rate you were going in Georgia, according to Georgia law, you would be a super speeder." So, uh, which honestly made me feel kind of good. Because it made me feel, I'm super, right? He told me I was super, that's awesome. So I got a speeding ticket, and I was, I was really frustrated with this, right? I was really irritated. But I wasn't necessarily frustrated because the speeding ticket was going to cost me money to pay the ticket, which I did, and I know I shouldn't have been doing, for the record, I shouldn't have been doing that. My daughter's 16, she's a driver, don't do that. It's stupid. But So now that that's out of the way. So I, I wasn't mad because I, was, I had to pay a ticket. Uh, I wasn't mad because I was embarrassed. I was frustrated because when we started the trip home from Florida, I put in our address on the GPS, and the GPS said it's going to take 16 hours to get home, and the GPS said that you should be home around this certain time. The reason I was mad is because when I started driving home, I had one goal, and that goal was to beat the GPS, I just wanted to beat it. Like, if there's a dot that the GPS says this is where you should be, I wanted my dot to be here. And the whole time I'm sitting in the car, waiting for the officer to give me my ticket, like, I know Terry's sitting next to me, and she's going, oh, unbelievable, this is going to cost us so much money, and I paid the bills, and we're coming back from vacation, and what a bummer. And I'm sitting there going, I cannot believe that now I am five minutes behind myself. Okay. Now I am seven minutes behind myself. I don't know how I'm going to catch up, especially if I can't speed anymore the rest of this trip. Because you know if you get a second ticket within the following hour after you get the first one, that's real bad. Especially if the cops already told you that you are a super speeder. So I was just sitting there frustrated. And then when we got back on the road, I kid you not, I kept my speed pegged right at where it should be. I put the cruise control. I was so good and honest. And I'm just thinking into my head, I'm like, okay, we're going to stop at a hotel tonight and we're going to sleep. Um, I, we were going to leave at like 6 in the morning. We're probably going to have to leave at 5 or 4.30 in the morning now because I cannot let the GPS beat me. And the reason is, is because I just want to win at life, okay? I want to win at life. You know, some of you guys are like, Chris, that is so shallow. Really? You just want to win at life? You do too. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves, okay? We all have a part of us, this competitive part, that just wants to win at life. So let me give you just, uh, think about this. Have you ever been in traffic, maybe on the interstate, maybe in Chicago, maybe on Veterans Parkway? Have you ever been in traffic? And you switch lanes because you're always trying to get into the lane that's going fastest. Anybody ever do that? Yeah, and you you bounce over and you're like, ha, chump, and you pass the person who's in front. Doesn't it feel great when the car that was in front of you, when you pass them and you see them in your rear view and you're like, oh, you jerk, you were were making it slow for me and now I'm ahead of you. But somehow, always inevitably, that that person ends up like way ahead of you. And then the person who's behind you ends ahead of you. And so you got to switch lanes again. Anybody do that? Yeah, why? Because you want to win. You just want to win at life. You want to beat it. Or anybody walk, this is, uh, this is me. Maybe this is just me, but you ever walk into a buffet and they take you to your table 
And if you're like me, you do this, you follow them to the table, and then they set the stuff down on the table and the forks, and they're like, here's your seat. And you're like, great, uh, I'll have a water, see ya. And then you're like, off to the buffet. Because, like, the second I walk in the doors, and maybe this is you, you walk in and you feel like, I'm going to lose if I don't get to that buffet first. Because some jerk's going to come with their plate, and they're going to build a mountain of crab legs, and I'm going to have one little crab-like thumbnail that's going to be left behind, and I'm not going to eat a crab's thumbnail. And so you just got to win at life. You got to get to that buffet first. Okay, how about this? Anybody, um, anybody ever go shopping at the grocery store and you keep track of the people who are in the lines next to you and around you? Like, you pick the line that you think is going to be fastest and then you wait. And like, Aldi, dude, Aldi, okay? You get in line and you're waiting and, there's, and you see the person who got in line after you. Anybody get kind of sick to your stomach, kind of mad when that person starts moving ahead of you a little bit? And then all of a sudden that person's putting their stuff on the belt, and, and they're getting checked out, and I was in line before them, and, I, and now they're getting their stuff checked out before me, and the reason that they're getting checked out before you is because there's some dude in front of you, and he's writing a check to pay for his groceries. Now listen, if you are still a check writer, I love you, okay? I have, really, I personally have no beef with you. I just want you to know that if you are writing checks still, there may be someone behind you who inside is screaming, and they're going, is this the Great Depression? Do you, do you print your check register on a dot matrix printer when you go home? I mean, come on! It's like Apple Pay. Boom, out. So I know there's people who, that is you. You get in the line and you're like, oh, I can't. Because you, you feel like you're losing at life when someone is beating you through the, the, the line at the grocery store. Then there's those of us, like social media, man, that's your playground. That's where you compete with people. And you get on there, and you see, you know, Susie's mom, who Susie's in the same grade as your kid, and Susie's mom, and she's on social media, and she's posting a picture, and like you can see, it's like 6.30 in the morning, and like her hair's perfect, and her makeup is perfect, and like the house behind her is perfect, and you're like, who is this person? And so what do you do? You roll out of bed at 8.30, and you know, you throw your hair back in a ponytail, maybe you get a nice filter on there, and this is, this is totally what you do, right? You clear off a five-by-five square foot space behind you where you move all the crap and junk in your house over into a corner in a pile and then you kind of get your camera here so that it looks like your house is perfect and spotless and then you take that picture and you're like I post that up and I look pretty good and then you, you scrape the piles and mountains back down into the center where, where they came from because you just want to compete because you want to look like you're winning at life anybody just want to be honest and say that's you yeah you get that you stretch your neck out <laughs> Like, the picture from the front looks like this. The picture from the side looks like you are a contortionist. <laughs> You're choking yourself to get that perfect good picture because we want to win at life. Oh, this is the best. Sports moms? Sports moms. And some of you guys are laughing because you're one of them. And, you know, sports mom shows up, and she's like, oh, I just hope Junior does so well football. He's going to do so great this year. I'm so excited. And, ladies, I brought brownies. So if all the kids want brownies, let's just, gather, let's just have a good time, everybody. And then all of a sudden when Billy's on the field, you're like, cut his throat, Billy. Because you're competitive. Because we want to win, and we want to win at life. We all want to win at life at some level. And maybe you're hyper-competitive like me. Maybe you're just a little competitive, you know. But at some level, we all want to win at life. They even made a board game called Life so that we can practice winning at life. 
the game's 160 years old because people have been practicing that long to just try and figure out how to win. And what's crazy about the game of life is this, is that the way you win is you have the most money when you retire at the end of the game. And so you'll draw these cards and like, if, you, if you're a winner, you'll, you'll grab a doctor card and they'll say, oh, you make $150,000, $300,000 a year. Good for you. You're winning. And if you're losing, you'll grab a card and says you're a garbage man, which I just got to say, I know garbage man. Those dudes make bank. Okay, just so you know. But like, if you grab that card, you're, you're a loser. And I just, I think the game should be updated, by the way. Nowadays, I think a doctor would probably be a loser and a winning card would be like a YouTube celebrity. You know, you, you are an Instagram personality and so you are winning at life. That's what it should be now. But the thing about the game of life is this. And again, this is it's our practice run for the game of life is that the way you win is to beat everyone you're playing with at the end of the game. You have more money. You have more stuff. You have a mansion. You have a nicer house. And if you get to the end with better stuff than everyone that you are playing with, you win. And in the real game of life, you're not just competing with people around a board game. I mean, realistically, we're kind of just competing with everybody. It's, it's really you versus the world in the real game of life. And social media has expanded that to literally it is you versus the world in the game of life. And so if you're going to win, you got to beat everyone. You got to beat everyone. Because in the real game of life, it's, it's always you versus someone else. So it's like, okay, whatever I'm doing, who is this versus? Okay, who am I against? Whose face am I smashing this into in order to win? I have to know because I want to win at life. Therefore, I have to be versus somebody. And deep down, it's like, if you're going to win the game of life, you just have to beat everybody. And so here's what we do in order to win the game of life. I do a couple things. The first thing is that there's those of us who chase victory, okay? I would probably be in this category, and that, that's the people who are always switching from lane to lane to try and get an advantage, to try and get an edge. Where's the fastest lane that's going to help get me ahead? What is my advantage? How do I push myself ahead of everyone else that I possibly can? You chase that victory. You know, we chase it in relationships, Right? It's like, oh, man, I, I, you know, if I'm going to win at life, i got to be married, and i got to have a great husband or a great wife, and, like, uh, I don't have anyone I'm dating, and I'm a little nervous about that. And so you just try to find the edge, try and find angles. So maybe you date someone, you hook up with somebody who maybe is not ideal, but you just got to get an edge. you got to get ahead because you can't let someone else beat you at life. It's why, it's why for, for some of us, it's we, we jostle to move ahead in our career. We'll even change career paths or change jobs at just in a moment's notice just so we can get a little bit ahead get a little advantage on other people who are competing against in the game of life. It's why we jostle around our, our money and investments. And we're always looking for what is the quickest fix that I can find to get ahead with my money. There's just, we just chase victory because I just want to win so bad. I will do anything that I can. I'll, I'll move as quickly as I have to, as often as I have to, just to get any edge that I possibly can. So there's those of us who do that. And then there's, I think on the flip side of that coin, there's those of us who who look at this competition, this game of life, and we look at our position in the game of life, and we see that there's people who are so far ahead of us in life that, like, chasing victory just seems stupid, and so we just kind of embrace defeat. Well, I mean, I kind of drew crappy cards in the game of life, okay? I didn't draw a YouTube celebrity. You know, I drew a person who, you know, collects bills on the phone in a call center, and so that's it's just a crummy draw. I just had a crummy draw at life. It just is what it is. You know, my, my life's going to be what it's going to be. I'm just going to embrace defeat because I can't keep up. You know, those bad cards have hit me. I, I, couldn't keep, I couldn't keep my marriage together. 
I couldn't keep my family together. I'll never be as good or good-looking as that guy or that girl. I'll never have as much money as they're going to have. And so, you know, I'm just going to Eeyore my way through life and then just embrace defeat. It's like, I'm a, I, no good. I'm a bad cook. I can't keep my house clean. My car is junk. My dog pees on the carpet. <laughs> I just, but this is my life. <sighs> Anybody know someone who embraces defeat? Like, maybe you're sitting next to them, and so you can't nod, but, like, you're, you're blinking at me. You're like, yes, Chris. <laughs> Man, and I think both, both are kind of exhausting. Like, those of us who are chasing victory, it's like, keep up, keep up, keep up, and you can't keep up with them. And those who are embracing defeat, it's just like, let's just quit. What's the point? There's no point in even trying to get ahead. And even for those of you who might embrace defeat, like, there's still this... Even though you're just like, you know what, there's no point, I'm just going to get through life, there's still this feeling, this intrinsic pressure to that where it's like, I still got to look like I have it all together. So even though I've just embraced failure, I still have to look good on social media, and I still got to put a smile on, and I still got to play it off like everything is okay. So we're in this message series called Different, and we've been talking about this. How do we begin to think differently so that we can live differently so that we can make a difference? And I, today I want to ask the question, what if there was a different way to win at the game of life? What if there's a different way to win where you didn't have to always fight for an, every advantage you could find by chasing after victory, and where you didn't just throw your hands up and give up by embracing defeat and just feeling like a failure? What if there's a different way to beat the world? What if there's a different way to beat the world? To, what if there's a way to, to overcome that overwhelming pressure to always win, and to beat that overwhelming feeling of failure that can drag us down, those constant feelings of defeat and failure. John was one of Jesus' disciples, and John, John wrote uh, about this in a way that I think is going to speak to us in a lot of ways. And, and to get to kind of what John says about beating the world, we got to understand a little bit about John. John was the youngest of Jesus' disciples. John started following Jesus when he was a teenager. So John's entire adult life was as a Jesus follower. His, his entire adult life was as a person who had staked his claim and declared to the world that he was a follower of Jesus. And so everything that he lived for, everything he did, everything he said was wrapped around this core of being a Jesus follower. And the thing about John's life, John's life wasn't easy. He didn't have an easy life because, because when Christianity was getting started and the church was just kind of getting its beginning, uh, there was a, a small little period of kind of excitement and growth where people were like, this is awesome. And, and you know, hundreds and thousands of people were becoming Christians. And, and there's kind of this, this a couple years, maybe, of this kind of freedom in, in this environment where that could happen. But then almost immediately, persecution started. First, it started in, in the, the Jewish faith. People of the Jewish faith hated Christians because they felt like Christians were perverting what the Jewish faith actually was. And they were taking this, this pure Jewish faith and then twisting it into something heretical. And so uh, they faced a lot of persecution from, from Jewish people. And, and Christians were arrested. They were put in prison. They were beaten. They were, were, they were killed by having rocks thrown at them until they died as a result of their faith. So this persecution started right out of the gate. And Jesus' disciples, they didn't get to escape the persecution that happened to, to every other Christian. And John was no exception. John became a leader in the church because he was a follower of Jesus, and he walked through this persecution. He walked through it so much that he was actually boiled alive in, a, in an execution attempt, which didn't take. 
he survived being boiled alive. And I guess at the time, Rome felt like it was, it's too much to try and boil a guy twice. Maybe that's cruel and unusual. So they just decided, rather than try to kill this guy again, who never should have survived being boiled, they sent him to a prison island off of Greece called Patmos. Now, Patmos was this, it was like a rocky island, and it had mines on it. And it was just a, a prison camp. And prisoners would work, and they would, they would work in the mines. And that's where John spent the rest of his life after being boiled alive, as a prisoner on a rocky and stolen island, exiled from everyone else. That was, that's the life that John lived. And that's the backdrop of, of what we're going to find John talking about in a letter that he wrote to encourage other Christians from that island. And he said this in 1 John uh, chapter 5. He said, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. So he's just kind of starting off this letter. And here's the thing. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is who we are. We are a new person. We're a new creation in God. When we make decision to follow Jesus, he gives us a brand new start. He takes that old board, that old life board game, and he tosses it aside, and, and he takes our game pieces, and he takes them for wherever we were. He takes all our cards that say whatever jobs we had, however many kids we had, whatever the game of life said about us, and he started us over at the very beginning of a brand new board. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is who you are. This is what John is saying, and I'll tell you this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is who you could be. This is the opportunity that God is presenting to you that, that board game that you've been playing over your entire life to try and just win at life, that wherever you've landed, wherever you've ended up, whatever turns or corners your life has taken, and it looks like there's no way to go except for forward, God's saying no because I can give you a whole new board. This is what's available to you if you're not a follower of Jesus today. And here's the thing, when John talks about like being, you know, you are a new creation, that you are a child of God, it's not like, it's not like, you've heard the term born again, right? That was kind of, it's a little bit of an old, old-fashioned kind of term in relation to Christians, I've been born again. I'm not talking like, you know, born again. It's not that. But it's, it's, it's literally a whole new life. A new game board, your, your peace at the start, all over again. Follows of Jesus, this is who you are. If you aren't, this is what could be for you. But John's just setting the background, and he, he continues to say this. He says, and everyone who loves the Father, so everyone who is a child of God, everyone who is a follower of Jesus, everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. And we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. And then he says, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments aren't burdensome. So, so John, again, John's just setting some background here, and he says this. He says, if, you're born, if you are born as a new child of God, if your life has started over, that's what this means. You've, you've been given a new board, but it also means there's a whole new set of rules. The rules of this new game of life are different, and here's your rules. Your rules are that you need to love God, and you need to love people. And he said, what's cool about loving God and loving people is this, is that the way to love God is to love people. And so if you, if you just kind of do these things and kind of intermix them and get them right, then you've got the rules of this game. And they're not hard rules. It's not challenging. It's not difficult. Like anybody ever play a board game or a card game where you spend just as much time trying to figure out how to play the thing as you actually spent playing the thing? And then you just want to flip the coffee table over? That's not God's rules for life. God's rules for life are simple, boiled down, love God and love people. This is what we do. It's our new set of rules to the game. This game of life is different than the game of life that came before. And so it makes sense that it's going to be played differently. And then he continues. And he says this. 
For every child of God defeats this evil world. Now that word defeats, that's big, right? Because we want to win at life. And if we want to win at life, it means we're versus someone. And we already talked about how winning at life means you're versus the world. You're basically you versus the world. You versus everyone and everything else. And John says this, every child of God defeats this evil world. So he's saying, here's an outcome. Here's the outcome that happens for every child of God. Victory. It's there. It's going to happen. And I think what's interesting about this too is that John is, John is even alluding to the, effect, to the fact that winning at life is something that must be done. It's something that, that we all do. And so it's okay to have that drive to win at life. But what he's going to do is he's going to create and set this new template, a new understanding for what it means to win at life. And he continues, for every child of God defeats this evil world. And this is the key. And he says, we achieve this victory through, like what would the old rules of the game of life say? We achieve this victory. We beat the world. We win at life through hard work. Man, if I just work hard, if I bust it, if I work to get that education, if I work to get that degree, if I do that, if I put my nose to the grindstone at school or at work and get advancement, if I work hard at being a parent, if I just work really hard, hard work will help me win, right? Or maybe, maybe the word that came to your mind was that we overcome the world through talent. Because we see people around us and they're very talented. And people with talent, they always seem to get ahead. And man, if you got talent, man, you can win. You can win at the game of life. Talent will push us and propel us, right? That's what the old rules say. Maybe, maybe for you, you know, the way to win at life and to beat the world is through privilege or opportunity. You know, I was not born in a wealthy family like that person. And that person was. That person was born with every opportunity. They were born with money. They were born in a big, beautiful house. They were born to a family that believes in education. I mean, shoot, their college fund was set aside the day that they were born. I mean, that's, that's the privilege and opportunity that that person had. Right family, right opportunities. That per- look, at th- dude, look at that guy's body. He could eat a whole chocolate cake, and he would still have a six-pack abs. I ate a Tic Tac, and I balloon up. I mean, come on. That guy's got privilege and opportunity. And, th- and we think that if we just have luck... If we just have privilege, if we just have the right opportunities, if life just breaks our way, then we can win at life. That's what the old rules of the game say, because you draw a card, and if that card is a winner, you win. But John doesn't say any of those things. John cuts right to the heart of what it is that gives us victory, that helps us to win at life, to beat the world. And he says this, for every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Faith. Now that feels weird because faith is not a thing that you can like measure. It's not a thing that you can just go do. It's not like, it's not like I've ever been sitting in my house and, you know, Terry walks in and she's like, oh, hey, what are you doing? You know, I'm just having faith. Just having some faith right now. No big deal. If I did, she'd be like, okay, you're crazy. <laughs> a bit. What is faith? How do, we dis- how do we define this? How do we measure this? Because if we win by our faith, I-, I need to know what that looks like. Faith is this. Faith is a belief or a trust in something or in someone that we can't necessarily see, that hasn't actually happened yet, that hasn't been achieved, 
So, I mean, like, a foot, there's football players who are going on the field today. And they're, they got, guys, they got faith that we are going to win this game. They don't know if they're going to win the game. They might lose the game, but they're going out with a, this faith, a belief that they are going to overcome, that they're going to have victory. And John is saying this, yeah, that's the ticket. If you want to beat the world, you overcome and you find victory through our faith. But it's our faith in Jesus. It's our trust in Jesus and who he is. It's our faith, our trust in what he said. And even if you look at what did John set up all before this? He talks about this. He says, you have already found victory, okay? The world has been defeated. You got to have faith to believe that because the world hasn't been defeated yet because I'm still going through some crap right now. You got to have faith to believe that. You got to have faith to believe that that you're going to get through this by loving God and loving people. Can I be honest? Like sometimes it is hard to say yes to the things that God asks of us. For some of us, for some of us, you just look at, at things like, what you talking about, no sex before marriage? Uh-uh. And for some of us, that's like, I ain't doing that. How am I going to know that I'm compatible with this person? I mean, really, come on. Some of us, it's like, be generous. Dude, you don't know how little money I got. I can't do that. I can't be generous with my money. This is, I don't have enough. And so sometimes the things that God is asking of us, dude, there's even little things. Like, have you ever, maybe you follow Jesus, you've had times where God was like, hey, I want you to go talk to this person, and I want you to, you know, say something. One time I was at a coffee shop. I might have told this story before, but it's just, it's one of those weird things that, that I felt like God was telling me to do, and I did it, but it's just weird. I'm sitting at Coffee Hound over by campus, and I'm 40, okay? I'm, I'm like 40-year-old me, and next to me are these like two college girls, maybe 19 or 20, and they're just, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, that's how college, that's how I hear them in my mind. So, um, not really. And in fact, it was, it was more like, oh, E equals MC squared was probably what I actually heard. So, they're sitting there talking, and I'm just, I'm working. Like, I got headphones in, I'm working, and I just felt like God say, I want you to tell that girl right there that, that I love her. And then I think she's great. And I was like, okay, God. Like, I got white in my beard, okay? I am 40 years old, and I'm a dude sitting in a coffee shop by myself. This is a 19-year-old girl. That's creepy, okay? That is weird. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And so I didn't. And I sat there, and I waited. And then um, the other girl went up to go to the bathroom, and I was like, oh, stink. Come on. I don't want to do this. And I just, it was just weird. Just this weird feeling like I need to do this. And so, so I took my earbuds out, and I was like, I was like, hey, excuse me. And I literally said this. I was like, I know this is weird. I don't, <laughs> don't want to make this weird. But I just wanted you to know, I just felt like God wanted me to tell you that, like, he just loves you. And he just thinks that you are awesome. And, and he thinks you're super special. And that's, that's it. That's all I wanted to say. Don't write down my license plate. You, you don't got to take a picture with your phone. Don't make this weird, you know. But I just wanted to tell you that. And then I put my earbuds in. And my face was all red. I was like, God, I hope this is worth it. Because this is embarrassing. This feel, I feel stupid. And she, she kind of tears up. She's like, oh, thank you. And she's, and then I get in my headphones again, and I have to break off all conversation because I'm still 40 and she's still 19, and I'm not going to make this real weird. Um, but she's, she kind of lit up, and I packed my stuff up, and I left, and when I got to the car, I was just like, just like, oh, I did it. I knew I did what God wanted me to do, but man, sometimes the things God asks us to do are not easy. Sometimes they're challenging, and they're embarrassing, and they're hard. Sometimes it takes faith to talk to someone. Sometimes it takes faith to be obedient to God. And John says this, that 
This is how you love God. You obey him and you love other people. That's it. You just do these things. But it requires faith to do those things. Because we don't see God. I can't touch God. I can't give God a high five. It would probably break my arm if I did. I bet God gives a brutally hard high five. But the thing is, it requires faith. And John says this, is that faith is how we overcome the world. Faith is where we find victory. It's trust in Jesus, belief in him. It's belief in what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? This is what Jesus said in John chapter 16. Again, this is the gospel John. Same, same guy wrote this biography of Jesus. Okay, so this is John writing what Jesus said, what he heard when he was with Jesus. And Jesus said this, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. How do we have faith in what Jesus said? Well, we listen to it, we believe it, because Jesus said this, I already won. Jesus said, I won already. Get with me, team up with me, because I've already beat it. I've already defeated it. Victory is already mine, and so victory is already yours. I already overcame the world. Anybody ever read the end of a book before you actually go through it because you want to see the ending? <laughs> or how about this? Like, you'll go and read a review of a movie because it's, like, kind of scary, and it's going to be less scary if you know who lives and you know who dies. <laughs> or you just, even just you go online and the movie gets spoiled for you on accident. Even when that happens, that movie is way less scary. It's way less tense when you know which of the Avengers are going to turn into dust and which ones aren't, right? Like, you don't got to carry that the whole way through the movie when you can skip ahead to the end. And here's the thing, we know the end, right? We know the end of this story, and the end is this, that Jesus wins. And because Jesus wins, you win if you are with him, if you're on his team, if you're a follower of Jesus. He has overcome the world. John, he wrote this because he heard it from Jesus. And then John lived it because he heard it from Jesus. John, who got boiled in oil and then got dumped on a prison island, wrote these words to us. He wrote that we don't have to suffer defeat. John lived a life of defeat from the outside, but John didn't feel defeated. John didn't feel like a failure. Why? Because he knew Jesus, and he followed Jesus, and he knew that Jesus had already overcome the world. He believed Jesus when Jesus said, I have won, and victory is available in me. This is how James puts it. Jesus' brother wrote this. He said, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For when your endurance is tested, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. When your faith is tested, your endurance grows, and then you're perfected. It's a good thing. So, so listen, when you're going through a trial, when you're facing something difficult in your life, it doesn't mean you're losing. It doesn't mean you're failing. Why? Because you already know that victory is yours. It just means you're in the middle of your story, and you just haven't made it to the end yet. This is how the Apostle Paul wrote it in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He says this, we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't walk by what we see. Man, all of the best stories, the best movies, the best books, the best stories have this moment where our hero is at rock bottom. But man, when our hero's at rock bottom and they make it through and they overcome and they win at the end, that moment where they're at the bottom, it means all that much more. And you may be at rock bottom. You may be at a place where it seems like the world is falling apart on you. And Jesus' message to you is this. I wrote your ending already. You're just in the middle of your story. Hold on. Believe in me. Trust in me. Man, 
We need to trust Jesus for the win. Trust Jesus for the win. When you want to win at life, you get there by trusting Jesus. We walk in victory already because we have already won. When it looks like you're defeated and when it looks like you're losing and when it looks like you need to just change lanes quickly because everyone in this lane is getting ahead of you and they're going faster and you need to switch over. You just need to be willing to stop and say, wait a minute, I've already won. I don't need to change lanes. You may be sitting in a lane that's completely stopped and all the lanes around you are just going way faster than you. All the lanes of all the other students at school, all the lanes of all the other people at your office, all the lanes of all the other marriages that you see that are just so amazing, all the other lanes of the kids that you see that seem like they're so obedient and good and don't have any problems, all those other lanes at life, and people are just blowing past you, and you just want to get in their lane because you want to win too, but it's okay to stop and wait. You don't have to chase victory. You already have it in Jesus if you trust him, if you put your faith in him, if you believe in him, you are not defeated. You don't have to freak out. You can just sit back and drive and relax and walk in victory. John ends this passage in 1 John chapter 5 this way. He says, and who can win this battle against the world? just want to read it. Who is it? Who wins the battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Victory comes through belief in Jesus. We beat the world. We win at life through one thing, belief in Jesus. And you can fight and you can struggle all the other ways that you want to. And you can die with all of the money and all the biggest houses that have ever been. And I will promise you this, it will still not be enough. Because there's one finish line to the game of life. And the way we cross it, the only way to cross it is by surrendering to Jesus and just saying, you know what? I'm in. I don't need to draw any more cards. I've drawn the one card that matters. And that's the card that says, Jesus. In the battle of you versus the world, you can swing your sword around all that you want. And you can swing it around with confidence. Because victory is already yours. You've won. You know the outcome of your battle. The outcome of your story is settled. It's decided. Jesus beat the game of life for us. He beat it for you. And now victory is yours. And so my question for you today is this. Do you need victory in your life today? Are you at a place where you feel defeated where you feel like a failure? Are you at a place right now where your insecurities and your brokenness are taking the steering wheel of your life and you just decide, I'm just going to pull over to the side of the road because there's no sense even competing because I just can't win because I've already failed. I'm already beaten. Are you here? Are you worn out from fighting so hard? Are you worn out from playing this game so hard And it doesn't matter how many times you switch lanes. The person who is behind you always seems to be ahead of you somehow. Are you tired of the fight? The answer today is come to Jesus. 
The answer today is say yes to Jesus. Victory is yours in Jesus. You have overcome the world in Jesus. And his invitation stands for you today to become a child of God. And if you're already a child of God, maybe you just need to remember that fact. That your, your Father in heaven has already won the game for you. Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and you are experiencing defeat and failure, you just feel beaten. And you feel like there's no way you can win at life. And you, honestly, you've given up. Or maybe you're here and you're tired of this fight. You're tired of the struggle. You can't seem to get ahead no matter how many times you push and you push and you push and you need just rest. You want to win at life, but you just feel like you can't. And today you're saying, Chris, Whatever it is, maybe it's my life, maybe it's my attitude, maybe it's my obedience, maybe it's my defeat, but today I need to surrender it to Jesus. If that's you today, nobody's looking around, just so I can pray for you, just slip your hand up right now. I need to surrender this to Jesus today. I can't do this on my own anymore. I feel defeated. I'm tired of fighting. Father, I pray for every single person in this room who's lifted up their hands, and I pray for them today, God, that they would sense and experience the victory, the overwhelming victory that comes from a relationship with you, God. And I pray that they would know that they are a child of God the moment they accept you, the moment they make a decision to say, I am in this, and I am on Jesus' team. From that moment that they have overcome the world. And I pray, Father, that, that you would help them to step out of defeat and failure, God, because defeat is not something that a child of God should ever experience. Even at our lowest of lows, the, our story's not finished yet. We're just in the part that brings more meaning to our victory. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to keep our eyes at the end of the story, that you would help us to keep our eyes on the victory that you promised us, that no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, that we have overcome the world through Jesus. God, and I pray for those who today, God, by raising their hands, they're saying this. They're saying, I am making a decision to follow Jesus for the first time. God, I pray with them. God, I just, Lord, I confess, God, that I've tried on my own and I can't do it. I keep trying to win and I can't get ahead. I keep getting stopped. I keep getting pushed back. I keep hitting speed bumps and I keep losing traction. And God, I just need you to take the wheel and take control, God. I surrender my life to you, God. I know that I've failed at it. And I thank you that I don't have to feel like a failure anymore. Because I can win and I can overcome by giving myself to you. And just accepting your easy burden of loving you and loving others. Jesus, I praise you and I thank you for what you're doing in us today. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.